excited to share with you today uh, an Easter message that probably isn't your typical Easter message. Uh, you probably came expecting what you've heard for many years as you'd go to church Easter services, but today will be a little bit different. You probably know that about the foundry. We're pretty predictable in how services run and things like that, but you never know what you're going to get, right? You never know what you're going to get. And hopefully the greatest thing you've gotten as you've come through the doors today is some love and some community, okay? Because that's what this is about, to love God, love people, and create community. So all of you matter to us, and we're glad that you're with us today. And if you didn't love on somebody or you weren't loved by somebody, make sure you do that before you leave today, okay? So you guys ready to get into this? All right, okay. So we're going we're gonna to approach um, an Easter message a little differently today. And I'm excited for this because I like to think outside the box a little bit. But also what I really want us to do today is capture the heart of Christ and what, it, what that looks like toward us. And I think that's so important. A lot of times when we, we go and, and hear Easter messages, I'm not going to say it's only about, but typically only about the life, death, and resurrection, which is the crux of Christianity, okay? I'm not saying that. But what we also have to understand is the humanity of Christ and his interaction with us as his people. Okay. Are you, are you tracking with me so far? Are you guys with me? Okay. Everybody's like, where are we going here? It's going to be fun. All right. So what we're going to do today is something a little different in that I'm going to tell you a story, but I'm going to read you a story and I'm going to illustrate the story a little bit where it'll make sense as well. Along the way, you'll stay plugged in. You will see words on your screen, which is actually the scripture. A lot of words that can be kind of small on a smaller screen. We're working on making things better over time. All right. But just track along with me, but also I want you to do something that's really fun that like five-year-olds and under are really amazing at putting on imagination caps. All right. Anybody ever done that before in your mind? We, we typically lose that after the age of five, the ability to imagine and to get excited about stories. All right. So what I want you to do is number one, not fall asleep. Okay. Cause people say they get their best sleep in church. Can I get any amens with that? It's fun to watch you guys. It's really great. And then I'm like, hey! And that's what, then that's what happens. <laughs> you know? Um, so anyways, that's, it's fun. So what we're going to do, though, is we're going to read from John chapter 11, and we're going to talk about someone that was near and dear to the heart of Christ, and his name was Lazarus. Okay, and you may have heard this story growing up. You may have seen it illustrated. You may have listened to. I mean, you I might be dating myself here. Some of you may have heard of a guy named Carmen. Anybody ever heard of a guy named Carmen? He was a, a, a motivational Christian. You know this? What happened? You're young. Bless you. Okay, but uh, Mo, um, Carmen helped us illustrate this well with one of his songs talking about Lazarus. So what I want you to do is get in this with me. Tune in with me. Don't tune out and listen in. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. This is important. That was a year's wage of this nard that she poured upon him. And the fragrance of it was so amazing that it got into everything. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. What does this mean? Jesus really had relationship with these people. He did life with these people. He was human with these people. Okay? 100% God, 100% man. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus was doing ministry. 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed Oh, wow, getting a phone call onto my iPad. That was crazy. Someone was calling the Foundry Church. We're here. Just come on in. Come on in. See, and he got a call in the middle of the message that Lazarus is dead, okay? This is Jesus' response. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Wow, Jesus, you love him so much, yet you stay where you are. For two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Would you like want to put yourself in a situation where you think you'd be in harm's way? Just a little time before, this was the place where they wanted to stone Jesus. But we see something about the humanity of Christ and the love that he had in his heart for these people that he wanted to go to them. It did not matter. He wanted to go to them. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by this this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. Talking about understanding the will of God and walking in it. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, I love this. Just put yourself in this situation. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, hey guys, Lazarus is asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. And they replied, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. This is awesome. And then we see the relationship that Jesus had with his disciples. He's like, hey, big dummies. Lazarus is dead. He's not sleeping like that. He's taking the dirt nap. He's dead. Lazarus is gone. Okay? And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may believe. But let us go to him, Jesus said. And then Thomas, we also know him as the doubter, right? Said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. They were willing to lay it on the line so that, so that they could be with Jesus and also see Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days he'd been dead. Four days, which means when the messengers came to Jesus, it's a couple days worth of time, and a couple days worth of time for Jesus to get to Lazarus, who was dead. Remember that. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews, this is so important, had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. God was setting something up here. God was putting this on display for people to see because God was about to show up in a major crazy way, all right? So he had all the folks that did not believe in Jesus as the Messiah showing up at dead Lazarus' house so that God could do something spectacular, amazing, and exciting. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. We see the relationship here get deeper. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. 
who says that to Jesus? I'd be like, girl, you know who I am? Jesus. No, he didn't do that. Jesus responded, right? He responded with the loving person that he was and still is today. But I know that even now, God will give you, what you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? She's saying, Jesus, I'm angry. Why'd you let him die? But he'll be resurrected. Jesus, I know. I know he'll come back someday. I know that all the saints will rise and go to hell. I get that. But right now, my brother's dead. Right now, he's not with me anymore, Jesus. I'm a little perturbed. I'm a little frustrated that you didn't come and show up while he was still alive. Jesus is letting something work out, right? God is working out this master plan because in, in just a moment, we'll see how God's glory will be displayed in it. Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here. Rabbi, teacher, one who knows the law but also knows the one. She said, he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. So we see the picture of Mary in the house with all the Jewish folk that had come from Jerusalem. They're mourning with her. They're sad with her. They're they're upset with her. They're going through what they're feeling together. And all of a sudden, they see Mary jump up. And everybody's waiting, right? We need to respond when Mary does something because we're here for Mary. We're going to do what Mary does. We're going to go where Mary goes. So we see her jump up to go meet Jesus because her sister had told him that the teacher wants to talk to you. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Martha in the house comforter noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, did we hear this before? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have been here, we wouldn't be in this situation right now, God. I'm a little upset. You ever talk like that to God? I'm a little frustrated right now. I'm angry, actually. I'm feeling all kinds of stuff. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he says, where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. This man, this, I don't want to say it yet, this Messiah, see how he loved them. He was there with them. He, he received the anger from the, the sisters and, and yet he still loved them. And he loves Lazarus because he came back. When it seems like everything is dashed, all hope is gone, he came back. But some of them, as this always happens in the crowd, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? See, Lazarus wasn't the first one to come back from the dead by the hands of Jesus. Why couldn't this happen in this way? Of course, doubt in that moment. Then we see in verse 38, 
Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. So we know that the boys in the family always stink anyways, right? But Martha's trying to make a point here. She's like, Jesus, I know what you've done before. I know you're really able. But let me tell you something, Jesus, when you roll back that stone over there, I don't think you know what you're getting into. I don't think you know the odor that will attack you in that moment. Four days, Jesus, remember you didn't show up? Four days, Jesus, remember my brother died? Four days he's been in that tomb. When you roll away that stone, Jesus, you better cover up because it's going to be nasty. Four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, he spoke to God, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called and allowed Carmen, YouTube it when you leave here today, about Lazarus. Lazarus! Woke you guys up. You fell asleep in the middle of the story. I know how it goes. Lazarus! Come out! The dead man came out. The dead man. I love that. The dead man came out. Everybody knew Lazarus as what? The dead man. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen, burial cloth, and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Isn't that an amazing story? Have you ever read it like that? As if you were Mary or Martha's cousin, hanging out, just finished the funeral a couple days ago, put your cousin in the tomb, your brother, whatever, and then you hear, you know, Jesus is coming finally. We've been waiting for days. He's busy taking care of other people, healing other people, taking care of their stuff. And here we are, the people that he loved, he wasn't around. We're waiting. We're waiting. And then all of a sudden, he comes and he yells to the dead man and the dead man comes out. It's about time, Jesus. See, there's a couple things that we can really glean from this portion of scripture that I think we can take with us today. You've heard the story. But, but what was really going on behind closed doors of this? What was God trying to say to us today? You know, way back when. I'd like to start with this. The first thing is that Jesus had friends and he loved them deeply. So often we forget that Jesus, again, was 100% God and 100% man. We forget that he came and he put on skin and became flesh and bone. He became heart. He became like us in this way so that he could love us deeply and understand what we feel. Jesus had lost a friend. He was hurting. He himself was broken in this moment. He loved these people. He didn't want to see this happen, but there was a purpose behind it. Sometimes the same man behind it that nobody could see at that time necessarily, okay? And sometimes the same is with us. He loves you so much. He loves you so much, and sometimes we don't understand why things happen the way they do. 
But know this, that his love is for everyone. It's deep and it's intentional. John eleven three, 3, they said, Lord, the one you love is sick. It gripped Jesus' heart. Second thing is this, just because there's a delay, it doesn't mean it's a denial. Just because there's a delay, that doesn't mean that there's a denial. So when he heard that Jesus was sick, he stayed where he was, excuse me, Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Let's go back to Judea. Two days. I hate waiting rooms. I hate when things aren't the way I expect. Anybody like that? We call that type A, maybe a little bit OCD. I'll just go to a counselor and figure out the rest. You know, I got time. God, why, why is it taking so long? Lord, I have prayed for a solid three minutes for you to answer me. I set a timer. I set a fleece out on my cell phone of three minutes. Put a fleece out before you. If you don't answer in three minutes, you're not real. And actually, I've done that for seven days straight. Two godly numbers, Lord. Why haven't you answered? Why are you delayed? Why don't you pick up? Have you ever had that? Someone that texts you and keep texting you and keep texting you and keep texting you and keep texting you like, I don't need to text you back. Call me. But there's a delay. It's okay. It's healthy. It's called conversation. But so often when there's a delay, we think it's denial. Jesus' timing in our lives is always perfect. It's always on time. And a lot of times we don't see that until we're looking back, right? What is hindsight? 2020, where we see everything so very clear. Why does he do these things? Like he said, verse 15, it's for your sake. I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. So that you may believe. Jesus was late on healing Lazarus in everybody's mind. Jesus was right on time for healing Lazarus. You mean like he brought back from the dead? Yeah, that's called healing. Making him whole again. Making him alive again. He was right on time. Because remember, God exists outside of time. Did you remember that? You're like, oh, that's why I shouldn't set a timer. Exactly. He doesn't see time. He responds to things when he knows he needs to respond. And just because it doesn't happen when you want it to happen, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean he's denying you. There's just a slight delay on your side of things. Third thing is this, when Jesus shows up, he challenges us to believe. When he shows up, he challenges us to believe. And this makes perfect sense, John eleven twenty five 25 through 27. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He showed up and he challenged both Martha and Mary in this moment to truly believe. And his presence made this possible. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha replies, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Such a bold statement to make in this time. When anybody that was attached to Jesus was bad news. Was bad news because they were messing with the system. They were messing with the system. Jesus was messing with the system. He challenges us to believe. When we think about Martha, he said, do you believe? She said, yes. 
Jesus was saying something different here. He said, let me hear you say it. Let me hear you say that you believe. But then as he was speaking with Mary and she came back so frustrated and mad, he said, hey, let me show you what you believe in. Let me show you, Mary. Let me show you when your brother comes back. Let me show you when I speak a word and homeboy pops out the tomb. Listen, let me show you that what I say, who I am is real. That yeah, you might have a slight delay in the plan of things, but that doesn't mean that you're denied. Let me show you. He challenges us to believe. He also does this. When Jesus enters into your situation, he feels your pain. When he enters into your situation, when he walks into your life, into your workplace, into your home, into your marriage, into your relationship, into your family, when he walks into your finances, when he walks into everything, he feels your pain. The humanity of Christ. John 11, 33 through 36 and 38. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, What does this say? He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Why? Jesus did not want them to be in this type of pain. He does not want you to be in pain. But sometimes pain is essential for growth. And Jesus knew this about their faith. He knew this about their belief, but he also knew it that much more about all the Jewish folk that were watching from the outskirts. They needed to see this. Nothing speaks louder than pain. As a pastor, I have the privilege to walk with folks through a lot of pain. And I say it's a privilege because we get to do this together. Jesus enters into your pain because he wants to help take your pain so that you don't have to carry your pain. He is deeply moved and troubled by your pain. He's real. 100% God, 100% human, and he loves you. And then we see this. He was deeply moved by spirit and troubled. This, as he, where have you laid him? You see Jesus here. I kind of picture him like this as he was so deeply moved and troubled. He's just pushing back the tears because he knows he has a plan that he has to do right now and he has to stick to it. And he has to, has to push his emotions down. He has to push his feelings down for just a moment because he still has to show God's glory in this situation. So he pushes his tears aside. He pushes them aside just like this and he walks over. And he asked them, where have you laid him? You know, I, you know Jesus knew where he was at. I didn't think of that until just now. You know he knew where Lazarus was at. But he wanted them to know where Lazarus was at. In a dead-end, hopeless situation in a tomb with no life. He said, where have you laid him? Where did you place him? Where did you put Lazarus? Come and see, Lord, they replied. And John eleven thirty five. 35, this is the one that I won many, many scripture contests, many Bible reading plans, many gifts in children's church as a child growing up, the world's shortest, 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 most powerful, Jesus wept, John eleven thirty five. 35. Anybody else win any contest with that when you were in, in, in Sunday school growing up? This guy did, winning. Jesus wept, but it shows him as human understanding what we're going through then the Jews said see how he loved him 
Look at this man. I have never met a Jewish ruler like this. I've never met someone that loves people this much. There's something different about him. And again, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Pain. Pain is ugly. It's stinky. It's nasty. But it's human. And I'm so encouraged by this, that Jesus feels our pain. He walks with you through your pain, but also we, when we believe in him, he shows us God's glory. He shows us God's glory. Verse 39 through 40, he said, take away the stone. They said, but Lord, it's a dead man. By this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Didn't I tell you though? And all of a sudden, it clicks. He did this so that his glory could be seen. God's glory could be seen on earth. If I watch somebody walk out of a tomb, I would totally say, this guy's different. And when the tomb was rolled away, the, 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 the lid, if you will, and I didn't smell death anymore, and I see this guy walk out, I would say, this people in this mirror. Jesus was building a relationship with these people in this moment so that he could show God's glory. What is that? The unspoken manifestation of God. And I think it's so unique that Lazarus didn't say a single thing when he walked out. All he did was just stand there. Worship team, if you guys want to make your way up. He just stood there because God was the one doing the speaking through Lazarus' resurrection. God was the one that was, if you will, showing off here that nothing is impossible. God was the one exhibiting his abilities His ableness, if you will. And one of the worst situations, the worst pain that anybody could experience. Death. How did he do this? He brought him back. The last thing that we see is when, when he speaks, when Jesus speaks, we will live again. You may have seen that as a theme to this whole message for this Easter. This idea that you can live again. That you don't have to be bound to a tomb, that you don't have to be identified as someone who is dead, but that you can be someone that is alive, that someone that can live again. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. When Jesus speaks, death listens. 
When Jesus speaks, despair listens. When Jesus speaks, hatred listens. When Jesus speaks, everything listens. So my question is, when Jesus speaks to you today, what is he removing from your life? And what is he adding to this morning? See, his desire for you is to live again. And his desire for you is to live a whole life. See, Jesus brought Lazarus back from the dead. And what's so amazing about this story of Lazarus is we really never hear him say anything. I don't think he said anything. All we see is live men at a big old dinner party sitting there as an alive man, not a dead man, and people still coming around to see it. When Jesus brings you back, when he gets rid of whatever needs to be gone within your life, people are going to flock around and say, something's different. What happened? I got the chance to live again. Because Jesus brought me back, resurrected once again, brought back today, brought back tomorrow, every single day, with the Spirit of God bringing us back into proper alignment with him. So do me a favor this morning. Close your eyes for just a moment with me. The Holy Spirit may have kind of deposited some desires within your heart as we were sharing the Word of God today. You may kind of feel like, like Lazarus, like, man, I have nothing to say right now. Things are great. God has put me in an amazing place, and I'm so excited about what he's doing. But some of you, you may feel like you're in a grave position. You're locked up in the tomb, and you feel like, I am dead to this world. I don't feel like I have hope. I don't feel like I have opportunity for change. I don't feel like anything is going to be different. And some of you may be like, look, I've seen God bring me back before, and I need him to bring me back again. I need to live again in this moment, and I know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father but through the Son, and I need him in this moment. I need him in this moment. I know I need him. And the way you know by that same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. He's knocking on your heart's door saying, let me come in. Let me come in and dwell with you richly. See, when that light comes in, purges the dark. When Jesus takes up residence within your life, it purges the dark. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy going forward. No, you actually just drew a target on your back, but he's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you because he loves you and you are his kid. So the question I have for you this morning, are you alive or do you need to live again? Do you need him for the first time or do you need to re-engage this faith? If you feel like that's what you need to do, the way we respond here as a church is you just take a moment and you look at me, we lock eyes and you close your eyes once again, okay? Because we can still do that. So as I ask that, if you wouldn't mind, look at me if you want to do that, okay? Thank you. Okay? 
anybody else to live for the first time or to live again thank you anybody else just so that we can pray with you this morning and believe with you okay anybody else that we've missed we just thank you so much that you're so sovereign and you're so good God we thank you we get that imagery that your Holy Spirit is always knocking down the door of our lives wanting to live with us but we just gotta let you in and this morning Lord we've made that decision to allow Jesus into the situation so that he can bring life again that he can resurrect the dead areas of our lives, most importantly, our hearts, and that we can live again. God, we thank you for that. And Lord, in just a moment, we have the opportunity to sing a song that is so important that we've sung for many years within the church about Jesus paying the full price for our sins. Jesus paid it all. Jesus, we don't like to think about it, But you were beaten, you were bruised for our sin. That cat of nine tails, that whip that ripped your flesh from your body was for us. We don't like to think about that part of Easter. We don't like to think about you having those nails hammered through your body so you could hang on that cross. The worst, most cruel form of punishment known to mankind. You could be put on display as a mockery for me. Don't deserve it, God. We don't deserve it, but yet you give us your grace. And Lord, for that, we thank you. And what we thank you for most today is that you came back. You came back. Martha and Mary are so grateful that you came back. Lazarus, though he didn't say a thing, I don't know what he said with his eyes when he looked at you, but he's grateful that you came back. And we thank you, Jesus, that even today we have this thing called a blessed hope that we will be with you again one day when you come back to get us. We thank you for that. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the full price of my sin so that I can be with you forever in heaven. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.